Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show that's brought to you each week by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. And this week is no exception. We have our Leeds fan called Dave. We have our team of Spurs fans, which consists of me and Elio as usual and should be, should be in the operative word, a fairly short and snappy one this week, but we say that quite often and it doesn't always come to pass. We're going to be talking about the West Ham game, of course, as well as the upcoming game against Chelsea and as usual one or two other bits and pieces a lot can turn around in a short space of time in football of course we were all doom and gloom only a few days ago after seeing us absolutely fall apart at the hands of Leicester and then losing Europe against Milan and just like magic as football always tends to do to us suddenly some of us are believing again and all doesn't seem so hopeless or am I wrong Elio? Life is good. We're in the top four. We're going to beat Milan and get to the quarters of the Champions League. We're going to get through to the quarters of the FA Cup. What could go wrong? The treble is back on again. Suddenly football all makes sense and it's wonderful. It's a lovely sport. Why do we do this to ourselves, Dave? Why do we let ourselves write off the entire season like everything's gone downhill when we have one bad game and then suddenly one good game, we think everything's going to fall into place? Why does football completely erase our sense of logic and perspective? Because you're all mad fools. You should come and talk to me when... When you're 19th and you haven't got a manager. <laughs> Are you excluding yourself from this discussion then? You only have the lows at the moment. There's no upside. Yeah, I've forgotten the tears of victory. Mm, well, fair enough. Well, I mean, we did our best, Dave. We did our best. And of course, we managed to get a 2-0 win against West Ham for you. Unfortunately, yeah, you're only as that. good as the results that you put out on the other side. So not looking great for Leeds, but thankfully for you, Dave, which I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear. This is a Spurs podcast, so we don't have to talk too much about Leeds this week. Let's get straight into the West Ham game then. Elio, you were there. You got to see the presentation of Harry Kane with his little boot for being our top goal scorer, which was nice. Nice moment. Did you get there in time to see that? Did you see all the TFO yeah. and all the stuff before? How was that? I was there for all of that. It was really enjoyable. It was lovely seeing Harry with his uh, lovely little family, with his three kids. His uh, yeah. little daughter very excitedly tried to grab the trophy off him. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a really nice moment. And I mean, the whole TFO thing, I doubt he even noticed it. Never mind yeah. anyone else. But it was the, basic, the actual presentation. It? Well, I mean, I just don't think footballers care about a bunch of fans holding up a few cards so the truth but I think he would have enjoyed having a nice silver cast of his own boots to commemorate yeah. the moment why we chose silver and not gold I don't know I feel I feel mm. like we could have stretched to a gold cast instead given that we are rather <laughs> rich and it is our statistically greatest ever striker but hey ho yeah. uh, really really nice moment nice way to start the game especially yeah. when it's ahead of an derby the Enoch Bunch will be loving that, won't they? Can't even push the boat out for a gold trophy. I did like BT Sports tweet about it saying, Kane was presented with a trophy ahead of Spurs versus West Ham with a picture. I'm pretty sure they knew what they were doing. They were inviting the trolls in the comments and it did not disappoint. So yeah, that was to be expected. The game though, the game was good. Elio, last week you were saying that part of you thinks Spurs play with a handbrake off a little bit when Conte is not on the sidelines and you were talking about the potential eventuality that we could go into this game, play attacking football, get a good result and win and look like a team in control and it wasn't champagne brazil 1970 but it was a good performance and kind of adds weight to your theory that spurs seem to play a little bit more freely when conte is not on the sidelines waving his arms about i really don't want these to be my thoughts because it sounds so sort of conspiracy theorist almost but but it does feel like they have a bit of a weight lifted when they don't have conte 
remonstrating every second of the match for 90 minutes. Um, mm. I, I talked a lot about micromanagement last week, so I don't want to get back into that now, but they definitely seem to be playing with a bit more freedom and especially as the game wore on, because I think they started a bit shaky and a bit like, ooh, they don't look too confident. But yeah. as the game wore on, they seem to gain in confidence, gain in performance and do a good job of it. Um mm. And yeah, first half, it was a case of controlling the match, but not finding a way through. Second half, they found a way through and in such inventive style as well. And just to kind of set a bit of an agenda of what I'd like to discuss as positives from our point of view today. Yep. Obviously, it's up to you to ask the questions, but I think it was very much a game for the Spurs underdog. For the Spurs? What, the specific one individual? Or just no, no, no. The Spurs underdogs of, alike. Okay. The Spurs yeah, underdogs I, alike. I think that seems very consistent with my agenda plan, I would say. So uh, looking forward to that. Dave, speaking of micromanagement, I feel the need to ask you once again, if you did your homework and watched the game, did you, uh, <laughs> did you pay attention? Have you watched the highlights? Do you know what we're talking about today? I watched the whole game. Oh, music to my ears, Dave. I love this. I feel yeah. like you're really stepping up your game, much like, you know, some of the Spurs team that have been criticised of late. You're going the extra mile. Well, as I said earlier, it's the only thing that is keeping me uh, even barely happy at the moment is is watching <laughs> watching Spurs win, which I know makes my friends happy. So, <laughs> so we've said this before. This is like when we used to watch Spurs all those years ago, Elio, and then go and watch Barcelona to cheer ourselves up. We've become the Barcelona today. <laughs> what is that? Today, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, how did that happen? Oh, wow. That's, um, that's um, tragic. I feel really that bad. Is tragic. That is quite tragic, isn't that it? That is really it is tragic. A, it is a little bit. Well, at least we didn't disappoint. At least we didn't disappoint. I mean, I cheered myself up by watching Messi. He's cheering himself up by watching Emerson Royale. Hey, come on now. Let's not say any <laughs> any bad things about Emerson Royale. He is firmly on the agenda and all for the right reasons this of time. Course, of course, of um, So Dave, 2-0, uh, home victory against a team who are obviously struggling in the relegation zone. Was it actually a good performance from Spurs or was it just flat track bullying, low-hanging fruit, easy game do you think West Ham gave us a real game or do you think Spurs actually have a right to be happy with that performance um, I think West Ham had brief glimpses of quality I mean yeah. it, it seemed like Bowen was pretty lively throughout and that's what I anticipated being the case because you know he is a really good player and nearly uh, scored after a minute and nearly scored after a minute and mm. also and also I think he had a, a chance later on in the game as well yeah. yeah straight after the opener yeah so yeah I think they did okay but at the same time, you did something which you should be doing more often. There is an element of you know saying flat track bullying, but but ultimately that's what you got to do. You got to win. Mm. You got to win the home games. You got to win the home games against teams that you should be beating, and you should be beating them, and you beat them, and that was good. And you know, yeah. winning a game with a two goal cushion is gold dust. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, just lower the heart levels, lower the blood pressure. Mm. Calm down. Enjoy the enjoy the end of the game. I yeah. haven't done that for for years. <laughs> what, enjoy until the next game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lower the blood pressure for a few days until you realise we're facing Chelsea. Uh, but anyway, more on that later. Yeah, I think the lineup probably gave a few people a few worries. I mean, obviously we've had our injury problems. We know it's going to be something of a makeshift eleven, whatever we put out this week. Um, Davies left wing back is a bit of a throwback. Long leg filling in at the left centre back spot, and of course there was the question mark over who would partner Hoiberg in midfield. And it was Skip, where I think a lot of people were expecting Saar or suggesting that Saar deserved it more off the basis of his performance against Milan. Um, Elio, what were your thoughts on the lineup as a whole before we talk about how they actually did when you saw it? So pre-match, I think the biggest talking about, we knew it would be Sarah or Skip next to Hoiberg. It's yeah. 
no kind of didn't shock. overly matter which one it would be. I, yeah. I, I did expect it to be Saar, but actually I think Skip playing men as being the more defensive of the two is a big part of why I'm soon to give lots of praise to Hoiberg in yeah. our underdog discussion. I think defence, well, any kind of incarnation what works or doesn't work depending on how full your glass is at the moment and it mm. works on this occasion so happy with that Emerson right wing back it's not as if Pedro Porro did enough to displace him Doherty yep. doesn't exist anymore Conte hates Jed Spence and farms him off to um, the Farmers League to, to, well no but <laughs> well actually yeah kind of uh, Ron, yeah, I was so, talking cheap there yeah <laughs> slightly uh, mm. but Davies at left wing back was the talking point and it's something that a lot of fans said oh, we're going for two defensive wing-backs, oh, Davies is just a sort of humdrum mm. left-back, blah, blah, blah. I think you'll remember before... Short memories. Oh, short memories, indeed. In our own WhatsApp group, one of the lads did immediately say that he was struggling with the premise of Davies at left wing-back. And I, uh, without wanting to pat myself on the back, I very quickly pointed out that no player has had better productivity in a wing-back role for us in the entire time we've used wing-backs than Ben Davies uh, mm. from January 17 to summer 18 when he first came in for an injured Danny Rose and then just kept Danny Rose out of the team because he was a better player in that moment. So yep. I think that season, not 16-17 because he only had half a season there, but 17-18, Ben Davies was the top assisting fullback or wingback in the league seconds behind him was Trippier at right wing back for us so <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really don't buy is this generation of sort of sort of slits in their hair FIFA <laughs> playing sort of children yeah, you, who you think, sound about who think, 60 right now are you I do, but <laughs> it's true. It's this it's yeah. this sort of bunch of children who think that the only thing that matters in a footballer is pace and Yeah, pace and, and tattoos. They do, and they do that it's cause because they play more FIFA than they actually watch football. Um yeah. Davies is a good player. He's probably the best crosser of the ball we have from either side of the pitch in terms of our fullbacks and wingbacks. I include Perisic in that and oh, he had like a really, it. really good game. Did you tweet this before the match, after you saw the lineup, or was this in hindsight after the game had occurred? No, no, this was in our WhatsApp group before kickoff. So... Oh, sorry, I thought this was in response to someone on Twitter. Okay, well, oh, still, no, no, this you was were in our WhatsApp very group. Very much vindicated this... after that, so you must feel oh, pretty smug, well, even more yeah. smug than usual. Elio. I'm asking, I was a bit worried for you looking back on this game actually, because uh, I was thinking there's not really a huge amount for Elio to rant about this week, and I felt quite bad. I thought oh, no, all the players I, I had have a, good... a few. Oh no, no, I'm sure I, I'm getting to that. I mean, at first I thought you know all the players had a good game. There weren't too many opposition players giving, you know, there were no Jack Grealishes in the pitch, although Declan Rice ran in close. Ooh, no, um, I, I, and, um, and you know, it was a good result, good day all round, really, until I uh, watched the highlights back and I was reminded of the handball decision on 13 minutes after Tilo Kera quite clearly scooped the ball up with his entire hand after, I think it was Richarlison knocked it into the penalty box, and Mike Oliver and his team decided that that was absolutely fine. Well, West Ham, stopped, West Ham stopped a shop like that a couple of weeks ago and didn't get punished for it either. Apparently, mm. they're allowed to... They play Rush Gully these days. That's what West Ham Maybe it's the sympathy. Maybe it's a new rule. Maybe, Dave, maybe Leeds will start being allowed to have extra goalies in there. You know, it could be a way of levelling out the <laughs> It's Premier ridiculous. Mm. I don't know what the rules are anymore. <laughs> I think the commentators <laughs> said the same thing. I think the commentators said something like, I just don't even know with handball anymore. 
How is that not a penalty? It, it, yeah. it was mad. And it was right in front of me as well. And yeah. I just, I was, well, as you can imagine, I was jumping up and down <laughs> like a absolute deranged frog. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a disgusting decision. And I, I, I guess this opens up rant number one for me. Deranged frog. This is rant number one for me today. <laughs> number one. Okay, good. There's, there's a whole list. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. I almost want to try and guess, but I have a feeling, but we'll, we'll get to it. I'm sure it'll materialize. We are competing. We are competing with Newcastle for position in the league. Yes. A win over the weekend puts us ahead of Newcastle in the league and puts us into the top four with an extra game played. But even so, that's what it does. Why on earth do they give us a referee who's closest club, apart from the fact that he's the new mm. Katzenberg and that everyone thinks he's the best referee, but he's actually the worst because he cares more about the cameras being yep. on him than the actual match. Why is Michael Oliver from Northumberland yep. Yep. refereeing any Spurs game if we're competing with Newcastle for place in the league? And mm. I know they all say that they support some lower team. He probably supports, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Gateshead or something. No, I, I refuse yep. to accept that of all the 20 Premier League referees or how many there are, not one of them supports their local Premier League club. It's impossible. So, yeah, why, why the f*** is that absolute smeg of a human being refereeing any game of a team competing with Newcastle for position? I must admit, Elio, watching you on the screen now, obviously our listeners only get audio, but you're there just angrily ranting with your headphones on. I'm just getting Kevin Keegan flashbacks. To the- <laughs> I would love it. Love it if we beat them. It's the Newcastle thing just reminded me. Um, Dave, any thoughts on that? I feel like Elio's on a slippery slope here. You know, mm. He's going to come to me one day and say, Dave, I've just realised I had an epiphany. They make up the results before the season even begins. <laughs> <laughs> they just do it in a room. We're all puppets. It's all, it's all the scripts. They release the scripts every, every the, week. Blame the MSM. Well, Michael Oliver in Northumberland, who is he more likely to have a soft spot for in the Premier League? Newcastle or, I don't know, Everton or Southampton? Yep. I mean, no, can't what, else is that. Ne- what else is even near Northumberland other than Newcastle? Chris Waddle somewhere around there as well, and that's it. Mm. Not even Gaza goes there anymore. Middlesbrough, I guess. League at the moment. Yeah. No, well, season, your, next, Middles- season, next season, Middlesbrough and Sunderland, maybe. Next yeah, season, yeah. Middles- Middlesbrough's be. a Yorkshire club these days. Wow, wow. Well, we do treat it as a bit of a derby when we play them. Well, Elio, of all your conspiracy theories, I feel like this one actually holds a little bit of weight. So I, I actually agree with you on that. I think that one was highly suspect. But luckily, More things it to was point not... Out, then. Not just that penalty decision. Mm-hmm. Michael Antonio gets a very obvious first yellow card. I should have known he why wasn't does he get? Why doesn't Michael Antonio get a second yellow card? I mean, the first yellow should have been a red anyway. That boots was... He was trying to decapitate the guy, quite frankly. He was trying to cause death by studs. He was Wait, trying is this to the one on, on Kane that, that got the ball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he got the ball yeah. first. That doesn't automatically make it a fair tackle, but it was a bit aggressive and uncontrolled. It was a leg breaker, and mm. he's lucky he didn't break the guy's leg. But even so, he was on a booking. Why didn't he get a second yellow yeah. later on for, once again, a very clear foul? If he hadn't already been on a booking, that would have definitely have been his first yellow. But it's this mm. bollocks inconsistency <laughs> within matches. It really f***s me off. Um, so, <laughs> no, Michael Oliver... You are a disgrace. I was with a friend recently, and he's a listener of the podcast, and he'd not listened in mm-hmm. a while, as it would come to be shown. And I said, have you listened to our episode recently? Have you listened to the latest episode? He said, no, and I played it, and it was the Jack Grealish one. And uh, he just sat there for a good five or six seconds before turning to me and saying, yeah, this podcast has changed a lot since I last listened to it. <laughs> Who was this? Was this Charles? <laughs> this was Nick Dunleavy. 
Uh, so if you're listening Nick I want to say sorry but I, I don't really I certainly don't want to apologise on behalf of Elio because I already tried that on Twitter and then he's refuted the apology and said that he apologises for nothing so, um, so nothing. we're just going to roll with it I think and carry on which was pleasing for Dave's brother Carl he was very much in favour of my uh, lack of shame you know I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of it. I, I like Elio Unleashed personally, but uh, unfortunately I'm also the one that needs to put the bleeps in and that's quite time consuming. So uh, thanks in advance, Elio. Anyway, moving on from the referee who thankfully was not the centre of attention because his decisions and bad decisions did not directly impact the result and justice prevailed in the end. The first goal. So you mentioned the underdogs, Elio. I think this was kind of three underdogs, you could say, combining mm, for a beautiful, absolutely. beautiful goal. Starting with probably the the highlight of the goal, which was the pass from Hoiberg through from absolutely. D, which was uh, a pass that Kevin De Bruyne himself would be proud of or Xavi or anyone along those lines and then um, very good work from Davies in a brilliant position for somebody who has not been playing in an attacking role for quite a while and Emerson getting on the end of it how lovely was it to see that goal I mean you almost didn't realise it was happening until after it happened it was one of those where did he just do that <laughs> and did he just do that and why is he even there? Uh, that was, yeah. That's the best bit. The best bit yeah. is like, hang on, let's take a freeze frame mm. of when Hoybier plays that pass. Mm. Your two furthest forward players are Davis and Royal. Yeah. How has this happened? Yeah. Where is the tactical? So you the love the board that yeah. comes out, and then and then our wing backs will be really mm. high up the pitch, and no one else will be. And so, they score. Well, ironically, this is what Conte ball was supposed to be, right? This yeah, is this is exactly. what we were always meant to be seeing under Conte, and, and again when he's not there. And again, I don't want to hammer home the idea that this is all Conte's fault. But when he's not there, we see Conte ball in full flow. And it actually reminded me, Dave, of when we played Leeds last season, right before we went to Kennington Studios to do our extra special episode, the yeah, Sessignon de Doherty goal. And we haven't yeah, seen anything that, like that, that in a while. That was different because that oh, was, yeah, that that was, was on the wing and that was yeah. coming across. That was on the run, <laughs> on the wing, coming across. This yeah. was all down the middle. It was mm. very weird. It, it was like two forwards, <laughs> wasn't it? It could have been Kane and yeah. Son and you wouldn't have blinked. Yeah. Well, it exactly was Kane. It was song. later it's on. But, but even even that, Kane was deeper. We yeah. kind of already said what we need to about the goal. I mean, you can't eulogise any more about it. But what I will say is, well done to all those players. Well done to Hoiberg. Mm. Once again, showing that he's not just the player that I think all our fans, myself included, thought he was, which is yeah. sort of Mr. Mediocre Jack of all trades. Mm. Uh, I mean, okay, yes, he's not always going to have that much time to pick the pass, but even with time, it's a phenomenal ball. Davies was so composed and so, well, very much dispels the theory that paces everything in the flanks, basically, because I've seen enough of our supposedly quicker players not being able to find the final pass all season from those positions, Mm. Sessignon being the main culprit. So absolutely brilliant composure and really well executed from him. And yeah, Emerson, that that finish. I mean, first of all, why is Emerson there? Why is Emerson there in the first place? We've kind of... It's like in the space of a week, we've gone from rich man Stoke to Johan Cruyff's total football when you see Emerson <laughs> running down the middle into the penalty area. And the composure he showed for the finish and all three players, that's what sums them all up. Composure, composure, composure. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't see the players involved in the move and you just saw sort of little champ man 99, 2000 round blobs playing the passes, you would have thought that that was... Benton Court to yeah. Kulisevsky to Kane, not 
Hoybier to Davies to Lucas Moura. So absolutely delighted with that goal, and I celebrated as such in the moment. It was yeah. it was great to see. You, and you just think- called Emerson Royale Lucas Moura, which I think probably just is an indication of how excited you were by the goal, right? <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. It was very reminiscent of his <laughs> yeah. his yeah a little bit. Uh, it was very yeah. reminiscent of the Lucas goal, guys. But yeah, uh, yeah. Emerson Royale. And I think the most pleasing thing about that, like Dave said, this wasn't just hitting on the break. This wasn't just yeah. a counter attack. West Ham came for a point. They were time wasting from the first minute at nil-nil that nil-nil would have been their result of the season that would have been them winning the World Cup all over again so they they just packed the defence and were hoping to get lucky on the break with a sucker punch as they've done to us before and that's always been our Achilles heel our Achilles heel isn't the flat track bully thing it's the breaking down the packed defence yep that's mm, what we point. did with that mm. goal and well they weren't time wasting afterwards were they <laughs> I must admit I wasn't expecting to hear Emerson Royale's name in the same sentence as Johan Cruyff in Total Football today but these are the <laughs> lovely surprises we get every week um, in a similar vein actually I've got a quote here from Twitter from SW Spurs uh, Hoiberg plays a pass Glenn Hoddle would be proud of and it's hardly mentioned there's a weird cult who refuse to praise this player and I don't get it um, so yeah another, another lofty comparison there but a very good point nonetheless and um, I just wanted to give a little bit of love to Hoiberg just following on from this I took to my favourite website FBref just to have a little look at some statistics on his passing specifically which uh, I actually posted on Twitter earlier and it's really impressive when you look at it just in terms of his passing let alone some of his defensive actions he's in the 94th percentile for passes completed among midfielders and someone might jump in and say yeah but he only ever passes backwards and sideways Um, but he's actually still despite that in the 83rd percentile across all midfielders in Europe for progressive passes 88th for passing distance going forward and in his passes into the final third he's in the 84th percentile the closest statistically apparently in terms of players in Europe are Bentenker Declan Rice who we may talk about uh, and uh, Chuameni we Madrid. will talk about so um, so yeah just wanted to give, give a little bit of love to, to Hoiberg do you think he'll have any sleepless nights after Declan Rice told him that nobody likes him or do you think he'll get over it I, I don't think Hoiberg cares about what the 2020s version of Carlton yeah. Palmer thinks of what him. Quite I'm frankly. sure Oliver Skip thinks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, poor man's Ollie Skip, right? <laughs> I mean, Declan Rice, to steal from Twitter, and I told this person I was going to steal with him, the mm. rice just boiled over. <laughs> oh, I'm ashamed at laughing at that one. 90 minutes of being bullied by little Ollie Skip making one of his first starts of the season. The player, mm. not even Jamie O'Hara, reckons should be starting matches for Spurs. And he just uh, lost his cool a little bit. And you know what? I Sometimes I am impressed with Rice, probably more for England than anything else. Yeah. But whenever I've seen him against us, I always wonder what the fuss is about. I always think mm. this guy is being lauded as sort yep. of some Michael Carrick, Stephen Gerrard yeah. hybrid. Who's 100 million into the f- plus. 100 million plus for that. I mean, yeah. you repeat what, what you said Jack- about Grealish. <laughs> exactly. Word for word. Mm. If, if that's 100 million, then please get the valuations people on my testicles. <laughs> it was just, it's just, he's okay. He's just another overhyped English midfielder because he happens to be able to pass more than five yards. I mean, yeah. I just don't get it. I love the idea that there will be people listening who weren't listening last week and have no context for that comment. <laughs> that just makes it even more <laughs> hilarious. Um, so that's enough about Hoiberg. I mean, look, we could talk about Hoiberg all day. He was brilliant and that wasn't his only contribution to the game either, of course. But let's talk about Emerson because I love Emerson and every time I see him speak, it makes me smile. Every time I see him celebrating a goal, it makes me smile. Um, he celebrated by putting the ball under his shirt to signify that his girlfriend is expecting their first child, I believe, as well, which he mentioned oh, okay. afterwards. Um, Romero celebrated 
celebrated by kicking him. I don't know if you saw that. It was particularly <laughs> hilarious and very Romero. It, it's quite disconcerting that yeah, Romero yeah. sees someone mimicking a pregnant woman <laughs> and decides to kick out at it. I did think that. I have to admit, I did think that. But um, this, if I'm not mistaken, that's two, two in three Premier League games where our fans have voted Emerson man of the match. And it's hard to argue because he was good once again and Phenomenal. He, he's, he's suddenly just really and, and I can't imagine it's a huge coincidence that it's after we've signed his replacement and that's not to say he wasn't trying before that he wasn't keen to break into the team or do well but it seems like something has just happened to click at this time where do I always tell you football's played on grass and not on paper and also in the mind yeah exactly that's in what the you're mind. getting at football wasn't it? is played between there. the ears and yep. when you see Emerson Royal fainting while doing ball rolls in the middle of the pitch to throw his markers one direction and take it the other it's just proof that all these yep. guys are bloody talented people exactly. and if they just believe in themselves a bit more each time they'll do it and sorry for stealing Dave's no, moment I was going to say Dave you're obviously a connoisseur of Brazilian fullbacks so I'll leave this one in your hands uh, tell us what you thought of Emerson Royale in this game yeah I mean Elio has stolen it a bit I think he's just he does that he's just playing with so much confidence mm. and, and it's so obvious and the poorer signing now almost looks like a bit of a, a bit of a waste yeah. of money I mean it's not because <laughs> no, of course you know, not. competition is good and, mm. and I'm sure they'll both get plenty of games before they both ultimately leave you to sign for Man City um, uh, but I think it's a reaction that could be in line with what we said right at the start of the pod in terms of Conte's way is Conte's way and some people will grasp it and run with it and, mm. and relish with it and some people will 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 not react to it in a positive way and then obviously the opposite of that is when Conte's not around maybe it gives people a bit of a lease of freedom and a lease of you know don't worry about what you're supposed to be doing and just do it and I think Royale is definitely um, reaping the benefits of the latter. He certainly is. I love this tweet from Rob Howard. Um, I'm so sick of people comparing Emerson to Messi. Can we just enjoy them both? Love that. <laughs> that, was, that was beautiful. Um, so, so that's Emerson. So that was 1-0. And um, obviously we kicked on from there. The next significant moment in the game, you could say, was the 68th minute where Son came on for Richarlison, who we haven't mentioned yet. So before we turn to Son and his goal, let's talk about Richarlison because it was his first start in a while. And I think that caught a couple of people off guard. Elio, were you excited to see Richarlison start or were you surprised? Surprised, and how did you find his performance? I was excited to see him start. I was pleased with the performance. I think he really gave their defenders a hard time. I think even if things weren't quite coming off in and around the box, he did a lot of canes running for him. He mm. really tied out the defenders, which probably benefited Son when he came on. And every time he was, especially first half, every time he had the ball sort of with his back to goal anywhere near there, he was making things happen. I, I really enjoyed that performance and I felt for him a bit because he was clearly disappointed when he was taken off. He clearly does want that first premise. Yeah. goal for us it'll come mm. he he's doing what he needs to do right now and it was a very I don't want to say it was an Eric Lamella-esque performance from him but mm. it kind of was <laughs> yeah. um, he, he kind it, of is the spiritual successor isn't he a Except little bit probably with a lot more brains behind it I'd say <laughs> and yeah. and I, I enjoyed what I saw um, likewise mm. on the other side actually I think Kulisevsky had a similar performance to him where maybe the final ball wasn't quite there maybe a few of the tricks weren't coming off but yeah. every time he had the ball he was running at them putting them on the back foot scaring them giving them a bit of a physical pounce 
something. And I think those two on either side really were a big reason why the players behind them, especially the apparently defensive wing backs, were mm. able to get into those positions constantly. So, no, really, really pleased. That reminds me on Kudusevsky, actually. I saw a graphic on Sky Sports. It was about, about Weghorst, but mm. it was talking about his pressing. And it said since he joined the Premier League, it had a list of the, the most pressures per 90. And Kudusevsky was actually leading the list on I'm that. not surprised. Kudusevsky mm. looked absolutely knackered when he came off. He yeah. he absolutely sacrificed himself all game long. And I'm glad Lucas is fit again now because we definitely don't want to yeah. ruin this kid's by overplaying him. Well, good performance from Richardson. And of course, he was replaced by Son, who, not for the first time this season, had a pretty quick impact off the bench. It took him all of about four minutes, I think, to put us 2-0 up and pretty much wrap the game up. Dave, it was the most boring thing imaginable on a, on a pitch of Spurs players, wasn't it? So Kane setting up Son, Son scores, you know? It's, it's just we've had enough of that. Fair, change yeah. it up a bit guys come on yeah a bit of a bit of a nightmare mistake from Ugbonna which you know just allowed Kane to just get get mm. around him and then and then the rest was written really wasn't mm. it as soon as you saw Kane feeding it through to Son mm. you you knew what was going to happen and uh, and you know it's good that those two have got that chemistry and they know what they're doing and, and yeah. Son can put that, that that kind of finish away because that is the kind of thing that you need to do you know one mistake bang punished yeah. 2-0 it's hard to ignore the fact that he scored so quickly off the bench and obviously his best performance of the season or you know, probably hard to argue with was his performance off the bench against Leicester where he bench, came yeah, on and scored yeah. a hat-trick. Obviously, he offers more than just goals on occasion, not every game, unfortunately. But is there something in the idea of Son being a super sub? I mean, is it a bit of a myth in football that some players are better off the bench or better against the tired defence or better as an impact? Because I've always thought when you look at that kind of thing, that it's just a case of they're not good enough to start, but they're, they're good enough against a team that have played 70 minutes. Elio, do you think there's anything to that? Do you think Son actually might get more confidence having bench appearances where he's more likely to get in behind um, and score goals? I think fresh Son against higher defence can only be a good thing. Mm. I I don't think he falls into the category. He's having a bad season generally, but he doesn't fall into the category of super sub. No way. Yeah. I mean, he's just disrespectful. off colour. I mean, Kane's been off colour in his career too. Uh, and you'd never talk about him in those terms. So, mm. and Kulazewski recently as well. I just think we've got a lot of good forwards at the moment. We should just always be choosing the ones that are most on form from the start. And equally, all of them in different ways are capable of doing things off the bench. We've seen Kulazewski do it this season when he came off the bench and started making things happening. We, we've seen, obviously, Richarlison come off and change games for us off the bench as well so maybe right now that's Son's role but unless he's fallen off a cliff completely I would say right now it's his role I'm just glad that we've got Son and Richarlison we've got Kane and Dan Juma we've got Kulusevsky and Lucas I mean if you're talking about six players for three positions that is serious quality that is yeah. that is real serious quality. Lucas is the worst of those options in theory, and he'd start for half the teams in this league. And mm. when he goes out at the end of the season, we're probably bringing back Brian Hill to replace him, who was finally beginning to show a bit of clout before we learned him out anyway. So yeah. I think from now, I can quite comfortably say, assuming we keep the key players, I wouldn't mind if we didn't sign any attackers this summer. Mm. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. We're getting dangerously close to the territory of lining up all of our players and uh, one by one kissing their asses. So I uh, know we try and avoid doing that. But there is well, one we did win a game against we the 19th did. team in the league. So yeah, Exactly. So let's enjoy it, right? Because when might that happen again? But uh, one player I did want to single out again is, uh, well, for probably the second week running, is Oliver Skip, who, again, some people weren't expecting to start. He came off, I think, in the 88th minute to a standing ovation, I believe. Um, anyway, yeah. were you one of the applauders in that uh, Absolutely. moment? Absolutely. So Skip is one of the final two we should be throwing some praise at off the back of this performance mm-hmm. and uh, the reason I want to praise someone else well I'll make apparent after we talk about him but Skip there's a guy in front of me who inexplicably hates Oliver Skip I'm going to guess you're the one in a minute by the way yeah every time Oliver Skip does anything if it's a mistake he'll really lay into him and if it's something good yeah. he'll find a way to put a negative spin on it some of Skip's range of passing to keep us in possession when we were kind of toying with West Ham and saying well you're 1-0 down you start leaving gaps for us it was so intelligent the way he used the ball some of the tackles he went into especially after his booking were so so mature and he looked a little mm. bit more like the Oliver Skip from the beginning of last season I thought it was a really good performance and his performance is why Hoiberg was able to play with that edge of more freedom mm. and uh, no really really because all of a sudden it was Oliver Skip dropping in between the centre-backs and getting the ball off them and beginning the moves and Hoiberg got to play the Benton Core role which I'm sure he enjoyed so yeah. uh, thoroughly happy for Skip and I think he is the most natural defensive midfielder at the club and I don't mean the most defensive midfielder we have I mean the most natural at the defensive midfielder role I'm very happy and those are the unsung heroes but do you want to have a guess of the maybe not unsung hero but definitely worthy of a bit of praise player I have lined up for last well I mean by praise if it's the one I'm thinking of it might be something approaching an apology off the basis of your comments on him last week not an apology I think Christian Romero was excellent not for the first time he was and he He made up for a lot of his mistakes last week but I, I get your point he was high risk high reward except this time it seemed to pay off he took the crazy down 10 percent and was 50 percent better for it um he still went in for what looked like high-risk challenges but actually he Mm. was timing them brilliantly he was he was picking his moments much much better he was really helping shut down west ham moves early and that's the romero that we do love and if that was the standard we've been getting this season then he would have never got the lashing from he got last week he got it because he deserved it and no no apology to romero but thank you for actually looking at yourself because he probably doesn't listen to the podcast but thank you for looking at yourself realising you <laughs> were playing probably. very well and upping your game a bit well mm. you never know I like yeah. to dream and yeah. uh, like I said before I'm a dreamer and Spurs are my nightmare so exactly um, um, Dave, I, I wanted to come to you quickly to get your thoughts on uh, on either of those players. You, you can take your pick. I, I feel a bit bad because I keep on going to Elio where he just absolutely rolls with it and, and gives all of his opinions and it doesn't leave that much over to you. It's a little bit like following Ndombele into an all-you-can-eat buffet. Um, thought Elio might like, <laughs> thought well, you might like that one. Elio. shaming in a while. Yeah, I thought I'd take, the, take that one for you, Elio. Um, but, um, but feel free <laughs> to give us your thoughts on... I know we've, we talk quite a lot about Romero, so let's talk about Skip, actually, because he's someone who I think we were really complimentary for a lot of last season when we first started this podcast. I think Joe loves him and he obviously had that injury and he's not quite been the same since but this was the the first time this in Milan the first time we've seen anything close to the Oliver Skip we all fell in love with last season what did you think of him in this game 
Yeah, vast improvement. And, and interestingly, I, I, to be quite honest, since this podcast started, I've yet to be convinced by Skip because of the injuries and, and the performances. I haven't really like just been talking about him, and I've been like, I, based on what would have been my <laughs> first question, because um, yeah, he, he really, he really hadn't performed since I started paying attention to Spurs anywhere near the level I should have been paying attention to Spurs. So yeah, um, the last couple of performances, obviously the Milan game, I was kind of in and out of and 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 ultimately the highlights rarely involved skip but yeah obviously i watched this game and um yes composed in the right place doing everything you should be doing really and and i think that's uh that's a good thing and i think you know that's uh, it's a potentially positive partnership because it allows hoibier to be a bit more uh well, expansive, uh, yeah. uh, as his as his assist pass proves. Yeah, he probably does need somebody with an eye for a pass next to him because he he does the simple things in terms of on the ball very well mm. and keeps possession. He's not he's not going to play the defense splitting through ball. At least not at this stage in his career, I don't think. But he's very young and could yeah, improve like, and add that to his it's like, uh, repertoire. It's like uh, David Batty next to Gary McAllister. I mean, look, coming from you, Dave, I know how big a compliment that is. So, but let's let's leave it at that. Um, just the last thing I want to mention about that game, actually, not exactly about that game, but our young incoming fullback or wingback, I should say, Destiny Udogi, was in the ground watching, and he met all of his new was teammates. He? he was. He posted a picture on Instagram of his seat in the ground. It didn't look quite as good as your seat, Elio. So um, you can you can rest assured you're obviously Spurs royalty. But he was there at the game, and there's been some nice quotes about him from his current boss, Udinese, Andrea Sotil. Uh, he says talking about his candidacy for the. Team at the age of just 20, may I remind you. You should ask Coach Mancini. For me, he is super ready. I train him every day and I see him do what he does in Serie A with disarming ease. It is no coincidence that Tottenham bought him, paying out several million euros for a player born in 2002. If you ask me, he is super ready. So that's very exciting. And if you look at, again, on his. 20 years old. He's 20 years old. He's not in the Italy team. I know, I know. He's he's a has been. However, Dave, however, he is in the 99th percentile for non penalty goals and non penalty expected goals. 93rd for non-penalty expected goals and expected assists uh, compared to across all of Europe this is not just in this area um, and he actually profiles really similarly to the likes of Theo Hernandez Hakimi Nuno Mendes and Reese James so mm. you can do a lot worse than that as far as attacking fullbacks go Absolutely. Um, so watch this space that'll be one for next season and that'll be very exciting for Pochettino to get his hands on or whoever um, moving on then shall we <laughs> Dave I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you lead us into this one because uh, you are our designated opposition scouts by default um, sorry that seemed harsh uh, Chelsea is our next game and we really do not like playing Chelsea as the stats suggest and um, it's in fact it has been a long time since we beat Chelsea the last time we beat Chelsea in 90 minutes or in the league was Elio any hazard of a guess? God um, I'm going to go with the 17-18 season it in was. Wembley when Son scored the Sonic the Hedgehog goal it's been a while since we've had an Elio Rainman moment that is spot on yeah a 3-1 win at Wembley with goals from Selly uh, Selly Delhi, Kane and Son um, but we've had an absolutely torrid time against them ever since then however one might suggest an optimist might suggest that we have never had a better opportunity until I just said those words of beating Chelsea because they are in something of disarray at the moment Potter is seemingly out of his depth one might argue he's had his injury problems who knows if he's going to turn it around Ten Hag style but um, Chelsea are in trouble they're not scoring goals they've just lost the bottom of the league which Dave I'm sure is thrilled about um, Dave mm-hmm. what is there to make of Chelsea at the moment do you think it's an Emerson Royale situation and they're just one game away from it all clicking and suddenly they're going to be uh, a 600 million pound team they should be with the most highly sought after young manager in English football or 
are they just a shambles? So I went to the Chelsea-Fulham game and it was very strange because they just don't know what they are. Mm. And not anybody in the ground knows what they should be seeing either. It's a really strange situation. Some of the players make sense and some of the signings that they've made are playing well, but some of them just just look lost. Like Mudrick is, is, was the obvious one from the yeah. Fulham game. Like He was awful mm. and he might as well not have bothered. And he was hauled off after about, I think he might have been hauled off at half time or maybe just shortly afterwards. But he was replaced by uh, Mukiele, the youngster who used to play for play Tottenham. For us, yeah. yeah. We stupidly um, let go of him. Madweke, Yeah, not is a different player. Mad, mad oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm thinking about my football manager. Sir. Um, <laughs> we forgive you, Madueke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was he was decent. Yeah, and obviously Felix has started to play a bit well after his initial mm. um, comical red card in the first game, and and Enzo Fernandez was the best player on Chelsea's side by a mile at that, in that Fulham game. Yeah. he is. He really likes to get that ball early in midfield and kind of d- dictate tempo, and he did that. Quite well. Chelsea had a couple of chances. Fulham had a couple of chances. And quite frankly, I think a draw, a nil-nil draw was pretty fair in that game. Mm. And obviously, they had not seem to have improved since that game. They've uh, had some pretty awful results, including the last one. And yep. I would repeat what you just said. I don't think there is a better opportunity for you guys mm. to take three points from Chelsea than now. I think the only way that this stops is if, well, one of two things happens. Yeah. Uh Potter survives till the summer and, and is allowed to have a full pre-season yeah. completely reworking this and getting it and everybody playing the way that he wants or him not being in the dugout contest. Style. Which it wouldn't be a huge shock to see happening after this game depending on the result. Who knows? I mean, he's he's got to be pushing it pretty close to the line. Yeah. That said, though, this could absolutely be a calling Dr. Spurs moment. Well, yeah, that that leads me nicely into what I was just about to ask Elio. I know you're never going to see Chelsea as the next fixture and be happy about it, Elio. And perhaps on paper, this is the best time to play Chelsea. But as you so often remind us, football isn't played on paper. And Spurs have a habit of not doing what they're supposed to and not following the script. How are you feeling ahead of this game? Because a lot has changed since that insane 2-2 draw and that last minute equaliser at their ground. It's... So hard to predict us at the moment because we played well against Man City, followed up with an absolute shocker against Leicester, Mm. kind of hit par against Milan with the 1-0 defeat in Giuseppe Mazza, and then played really well against West Ham, who are not miles worse than Chelsea this season. Um, Yeah. It's hard to know how I feel. I mean, I never look forward to this fixture. It's probably the one I least look forward to of all of them. But at the same time... If ever there's an opportunity to make the form book count in this fixture, it's now because we've played them many, many times when we've been the better side and still not come up trumps. Obviously, Battle of the Bridge being the huge (laughs) example there in that uh, fateful season. I think on form, we win on Sunday, but... And I'm not even going to say that football shouldn't be played on paper thing. Chelsea have a half a billion pound first team, so <laughs> yeah. if football's played on paper, then they chew us up, shit us out, and, <laughs> and kick us down the road afterwards. Like it's, it's, it's really that simple. But we do have a good team. They have a good team. We have a good manager. They have a good manager. We have found a little bit of confidence, hopefully, Mm. in recent games. Hopefully they're low on theirs and we can make the form book count. Let's see. Uh, 
I think we'll do it this time, but I'm not going to be quite as cocky as I was ahead of Leicester for good reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to hear that. There's a small element of there, isn't there? I, I guess kind of mirroring the West Ham thing where you know that they will raise their game. I'm not going to go as far as say it's their cup final, but I think this is one of the biggest games on their calendar, certainly. I mean, in any, this any season, season it probably is their cup final because this season <laughs> they're, they're not... It is all they've got So in, in the league anyway. So mm. actually, it might be this season. So let's see what happens. I think against the team that won't sit back against us because obviously they won't um, mm. we'll do right and I think we've tended to do okay against Graham Potter when he was Brighton manager as well so yeah. so I, I, I'm not I'm more worried about playing Chelsea when Chelsea have a Conte or a Mourinho or someone equally sort of cynical and anti-football in charge. Um, I'm, I'm less worried about playing a Potter Chelsea. I was going to say, I seem to remember the last time Potter got one over on us and outplayed us. It was Yves Basuma running the show for him, which obviously mm. won't be the case this time around. I've got a stat here that you might enjoy. In the last six league games, Emerson Royale has scored as many goals as Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> so it's a funny one with Chelsea because they have some very very good attackers they don't have a good centre forward they left Aubameyang out of their squad completely they've mm. got Lukaku on loan in Italy at the moment and if ever a team needed a centre forward and I had lots of I, was, I don't know why but I was listening to Talk Sport the other day i tell you why I was listening to Talk Sport because we won a match and then I want to take in all football that yeah. I can find when we win a match but all these Chelsea fans ringing and sort of say well why do we have to play with a forward Manchester City play without forwards and they ma- alright not this season with Holland no, but yeah, Manchester City with leagues playing without mm. forwards okay I'm sorry I didn't realise you'd yeah. suddenly appointed Pep Guardiola <laughs> yeah. and signed De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva and Gundogan and all those players in one go and could afford to play false nines mm. you can't do that Chelsea you're, you're not that kind of club you should be playing with a forward not Havertz peeling off the front now that I've said that you'll score a hat-trick against us but <laughs> um, and to then make it worse you get the ex-pros backing up that sentiment and laying into Potter saying yeah why can't Potter get them playing and they've got such good players they don't need to centre forward and once again making the Manchester City comparison and it once again raises the question why people like Gabby Ogbonla and Jamie O'Hara with their tenth of a brain cell between them are actually allowed out of their bedrooms in the morning never mind in a recording studio I don't know what I was worrying about Elio why did I think you wouldn't find something to get wound up about you could manage to have an argument with a toaster if you tried hard enough um, anyway I'm wound up about everything Chelsea fans idiot pundits biased Northumberland born referees <laughs> Declan Rice being the latest myth of a footballer everything absolutely everything I'm an angry angry man you are and I suspect it's only going to get worse as you get older and grumpier as well so Hopefully. plus Dave podcast episode 160 is going to be a sight to behold um, right well um, I mean that's more or less all I have to say on Chelsea let's see what happens I can't help but turn my mind back to that Man United game at Old Trafford that kind of turned their entire season around earlier this year and I've just got this horrible feeling that this could be that moment <laughs> but um, it, it stands to reason that we should be favourites at home against a struggling team so let's see who knows I feel like if a machine learning AI was trying to predict this game based on just watching Spurs and nothing but Spurs they'd be thinking they were definitely going to lose this one 4-0. 
and then probably go and win the following week 2-0. But anyway, anyway, let's see what happens there. Before we just sort of have a general catch-up over just the state of the table and, and the, the future for Spurs in general, the next game after that is, of course, the FA Cup fifth round, which I believe, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, we will be recording again before that, won't we? So we'll have a chance to properly preview the Sheffield United game. Um, but it's worth mentioning that they are doing quite well at the moment. They're second in the championship. They are just ahead of Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough, but they did actually just lose two Michael Carris Middlesbrough as well as another game immediately before that so they, they're on pretty poor form but we'll see we'll have a lot more to talk about that but um, but Dave I want to hear about Leeds in the FA Cup because you're quite excited about it aren't you? I am excited I mean it's the first time we've been in the in the fifth round for a good few years it's the first time we've won any games in the FA Cup yeah. for a while to be honest uh, and um, uh, and yeah if we get to, to the quarterfinals that'll be the first time since the last time we were in the well before we were in the, the League One and the and the Championship, so we don't usually do anything in the FA Cup and an away game at Fulham, who you know might rest quite a lot of players, and who knows, who knows yeah. what would happen. But um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not counting on my chickens, but I will, I will be there. Yeah. And so will Elio. We're doing a bit of a trip under. Oh, really? Incognito yeah. to uh, to the to the Fulham end to um, sit on our hands. So incognito, my invite got lost. Absolutely, yeah. I've <laughs> got two tickets. Oh, okay, and, sure. Uh, All you right. live a lot further away. Mm, okay, I'll forgive you, Dave. I'll forgive you. Uh, you can make it up to me by telling me what you know about Sheffield United. Uh, I know that they are having a bit of a wobble. Mm-hmm. Um, it was looking like a two-horse race, and now it appears to be a one-horse race in the championship. Mm. Burnley is still going strong, um, whereas, uh, as you rightly said, Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough have, um, have pulled it back, including a victory over Sheffield United. So what was, I think, a nine-point gap uh, yeah. uh, last week is now a four-point gap. So, yeah... Um, Elio, I'm not going to get your thoughts on Sheffield United because I know you don't care yet because it's too far away, but I know you love the FA Cup, so we'll get on to that next week and we'll, we'll get into a bit more detail about it. Uh, what I will ask you though, Elio, is uh, looking at the league table right now, what emotions are you greeted by? What, what are your overall thoughts as a Spurs fan at this moment? <laughs> Apart from the usual rage. Well, there's always rage. I mean, you can't support Spurs without it, right? I'm confident. I, I'm now of the mindset that even with having played a game more than Newcastle and having them to play at their grounds, I'd be disappointed if we missed out on top four this season. We seem to have finally, finally shaken Brighton off ever so slightly. Obviously, the seasons Liverpool and Chelsea are having helps us out in that respect. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's between us and Newcastle for that position now. I don't think we'll suck Man United into it as much as I'd like to think we could. So, so let's, let's hopefully have a few more games like yesterday and a few fewer like the Leicester game and we'll get over the line. It may not be a vintage season, but if we do that and we win one of the two trophies we're in, then that'll be an incredible season. Absolutely. Hard to argue with that. Dave, if I had to put you on the spot now and ask for your final in order top four at the end of the Premier League season, who would you predict? And you know there's only Um, one name we want to hear in this. uh, Yeah, I would would say it would be City, Arsenal, Scum, you. Okay. Yeah, I think I agree. That was from fourth to first. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I was agreeing with. Elio, do you, do you dare weigh in? I mean, that's the order they're almost in at the moment. Yeah. Uh, we're all speaking in hope that Arsenal slip up and City overtake them. We're, we're all going to be huge City fans mm. uh, in that upcoming match. But it's still hard because Newcastle are a good team with a good manager and some good players. We're, yeah. in theory, a better team with a better manager and better players. And we're ahead of them in the table. So... 
Come on, Spurs, don't cock it up, please. Please, this is all I have. There is, there is. I, I say this reluctantly, but there is a very real chance that Arsenal may end up, as they have so often accused us of doing in 2016, unfairly, I would add, of coming third in a two-horse race with Man United carry mm. on at their current rate. So that would be funny. I mean, wouldn't funny. you just piss yourself laughing, shit yourself laughing, <laughs> yourself laughing? It would be gorgeous. <laughs> To anyone who hasn't listened in 10 or 15 episodes or so, I hope that the transition into the new age plus day podcast hasn't been too scarring, but I'll do my best to edit it appropriately. Speaking of our listeners, by the way, because they do put up with a hell of a lot from me in particular, but also actually tuning in to listen to us talk about emotionally scarring football clubs Mm -hmm. and even more emotionally scarring by the tripitan spout, um, amongst (laughs) other things. And when Dave trolls me and you, he's really trolling all Spurs fans to so um, he is is your enemy thank you to all of you for continuing to log in and listen to us and whatever it is you do while you listen to us going for a run going to the gym doing your iron drinking I suspect drinking (laughs) touching yourself (laughs) thank you in fact those of you who touch yourself while listening to us especially thank you I I echo most of those sentiments and I I must stress most and not all but thank you Elio for your kind words to our listeners and I would reiterate a huge thanks to all of you I believe and correct me if I'm wrong and apologies if I am wrong I believe we have a new listener country and we've had some listeners from Indonesia most recently so uh, welcome whoever you are out there and thank you for joining the Plus Dave listener family we are pretty much covering most of the globe now we're doing very very well on our international listener base so thank you all once again and thanks to everyone who has been following us on Twitter we are growing in numbers on there too please follow us at Plus Dave Podcast follow me at Plus Dave Dags follow Dave at Fantasy Dave and follow Elio at Elio underscore P underscore THFC I feel like that final one should come with a parental guidance warning explicit content it should go without saying <laughs> follow at your peril but I, I promise you much like Romero going in for a sliding tackle in the box and winning the ball the reward is worth the risk well that is probably more than enough for today I expect you haven't got a challenge earlier for us today Elio. I actually do do you if you oh. want I do oh, I, do. I, I sincerely apologise I know that you were in a bit of a rush today and we were a bit time pressured but if you can squeeze in a challenge Elio I am all ears and I would love to hear it <laughs> So this is a bit of an unsung hero 11 that I've put together. <laughs> oh, I love uh, it already. Just because yesterday was the game of our unsung heroes. So let's see if you can guess who these players are just off of their Wikipedias and nothing more. So it's a bit of a lazy one for me okay. today. So who um, am I like? So starting off in goal, mm-hmm. we, ta- we signed this player off of PSV Eindhoven in 2008 after he performed very well against us mm-hmm. in the quarterfinals of Gomez. the old UEFA Cup. Very well done. Yep. Aurelio Gomez is unsung hero number one. Someone who got a lot of flack, but without whom we would have definitely not finally qualified yep. for the uh, Champions Charlie. League. The for Octopus. The very first time. Was his nickname. It, it indeed was. <laughs> I didn't um, ask any more questions. And... <laughs> I just heard and accepted. <laughs> so. Next up, we signed this player from Ipswich in 1998. Uh, he played for us for the next six years underneath George Graham and Glenn Hoddle and very, very briefly David Pleat at the end of Glenn Hoddle's tenure, having been a club that obviously had two very celebrated Argentinians. He's the third Argentinian oh. footballer we <laughs> okay. ever signed. One of the games of his career was uh, the semi-final of the League Cup in 2002 to help put us into the final uh, in that 5-1 win against um, Chelsea. 
his praises are unsung by most, but certainly not by you, Elio. I know you're a huge fan of Maurizio Tarico. Absolutely. The man who, when he went to West Ham and got a career-ending injury, immediately tore up his contract without taking a penny off the club. Um, yeah, so man. that, in my mind, makes him an yeah. unsung hero without the footballing achievements. Yeah. Next up is one of Dave James's favourites. Centre-back. He won the League Cup with us in <laughs> go on, 1999. Tap it in. Do I need to go on? No, not really. Good old Johnny. Be Johnny Woodgate, wouldn't it? No, not John Woodgate. He was very much a sung hero. He, <laughs> this guy, won the league cup in 1999. Um, he, might be Ramon Vega then. It is Ramon Vega, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and his goal-saving challenge on Emil Heskey is a big reason at 1-0 up why we managed to win that League Cup. Next Have we insulted Ramon a- Vega yet? Because I'd quite like to get him Probably. on the show. I might have to talk back through and check. This player signed from Newcastle when they got relegated. He played with us for three seasons. Most of those appearances in his first season before he went off to Norwich. He was recently the subject of a Who Am I From Me. You got this last time. You can get it this time. um, He was a very good standard for Ledley King during that season as well. Good left-footed centre-back. Born in France, represented Cameroon. Newcastle Seb Spurs Norwich. Yep. It is Seb Basson. Absolutely. So uh, we're rattling through these. This next player is uh, playing at left back in this team because I've put Tariq at right back. Danny Rose. <laughs> I'm no. guessing it's not a left back. Uh, it is. No, it is a left back. It is the most unsung hero, in my opinion, because there is oh, no praise that is stop given the up clock. for this man. I've got it. I know. I know this is not B- just the great, not yeah, exactly. <laughs> a man, Don't you a man with a spectacular was. afro and a spectacular coolness on the ball. The man who would Cruyff turn out of his own six-yard box through the legs of an oncoming attacker <laughs> to start a counter-attack. And somehow he doesn't get praised as much as Danny Rose. Benoit Asu Ekoto. It was Benoit Asu Ekoto. I've actually not used Wikipedia at all for these, having promised that I I'd give you. you wiki introductions. I'm just rattling off my own opinions on them. We signed this player from Fulham in 2006 <laughs> off the back of our first qualification for um, the UEFA Cup uh, in the Premier League era. This player was a bit of a short ass. He is uh, a man who was born in Belgium and you can never quite figure out whether his legion was with Belgium or with France through his career. He never actually played for either of them at senior level. His debut for us was massively delayed amidst rumours of a penis enlargement operation. <laughs> I've got it, by the way. I'm seeing if I think Dave might know this one. And he did, did get the, a goal the penis enlargement, in that 5 not... 1 win over Arsenal. I remember the story, but I don't remember the person. So Who was that? It's over to you. It's Steve what was Marble. his chant, I guess? It I don't remember his chant. Oh, yeah. Steve. Yeah, okay. Steve Malbron. Excellent. Yeah. So going across... Uh, What's the, the formation, midfield? by the way? I've just put him in centre mid. Oh, no, he's on the left wing here. I'm playing a 4-4. Okay. Fucking two. Of course you are. Um, of course I am. So this player signed for us from Wigan. They had initially signed him uh, off the back of a very good sort of international, few international performances. Honduran, yeah. so we've only ever had one Honduran. <laughs> Come on, Dave. Had some tragedy while he was with the club, unfortunately, relating to mm. his brother, uh, which he never really recovered from in terms of his performances on the pitch, very understandably. And he shares his name with a football in a Tom Hanks movie. Palacios? Yes. It was Wilson Palacios. <laughs> Wilson! <laughs> 
What are we going to do now, Wilson? <laughs> so he was great for a for a brief period. He, I, I feel like he was he one of a succession was. of defensive midfielders that we thought was the answer to all of our problems. There was him. There was Cora. <laughs> there was Scott Parker. There was Sandro. Sandro. Yeah, and briefly there they all so were. Many. They all were what we needed. Yeah, briefly. Mm. Um, let's hope that uh, Bentoncourt yeah. doesn't break indefinitely with his recent injury because that would just continue the trend, wouldn't it? Oh God, yeah. This player has a beautifully alliterative name. Um, he <laughs> Jermaine Genius. Signed <laughs> <laughs> equally, equally alliterative, but far far nicer and more pleasant on the ear. We signed him from Auxerre. Um, he once upon a time really wound up Didier Drogba uh, by feigning to throw the ball in his face as we were leading them in the League Cup final. I think I know. Um, he, Is he Scandinavian by any chance? Maybe. Is it Timu Tainio? It was Timu Tainio. Is he, yes. he is Scandinavian, it's, isn't he? I, Where's I, he from? He's finished. He's, yeah, he's yeah, finished, which I don't think is... Is that Scandinavian? If I, I'm, I'm going to die on this hill and say that I it think is. I think Scandinavia is Norway, Denmark and Sweden. I mean, it's, it's not a million miles off, is it? I was thinking of the right guy anyway. You were thinking of the right guy. Um, but I think Timo Tainio has a much nicer ring to it than Jermaine Genus. Uh, happy yeah. to be challenged on that, but you will be wrong. Um, <laughs> and making up the midfield contingents, playing out on the wing is a player of Egyptian descent. A big tall boy who wasn't that fast, but could dribble past most defenders if he was in the mood. Had a great season in Maurizio Pochettino's first season coming off the wing to score 11 league goals for us yeah. really combined well with Harry Kane when he was breaking through and uh, after us went <laughs> off to play a trade with West Brom before his season petered out bit by bit and recently retired in the Turkish Super League Egyptian descent Egyptian descent so not an Egyptian international no okay no, no. I was waiting I was waiting for the fat shaming to enter that description and I had one man in mind and one man only and it never no, it never no, came no. so you threw, you threw me um, I think I know who it might be uh, based probably Go based on. on his first name alone is it Nasser Chadley good looking man yep. Chadley yeah yeah. Nasser Chadley I did yep. not know Nasser he was Egyptian Chadley. or of Egyptian descent yeah Nasser well, Chadley now you do one of my favourite memories of Nasser Chadley was an interview of him on Spurs YouTube or something where he was complaining that all the other players had a chance and that he didn't. So he made his own one up and it was like, oh, Nasser, Nasser Chadley. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so bad wow. for him and it didn't even catch on after that. <laughs> I would absolutely love to hear that by the end of this episode. Uh, so if you can find yeah. it to play it at some point, I I'll will post be, it on Twitter. Um, very, very happy. Unless um, I dreamt it, but I'll try and find it and post it on Twitter. Two to go. Uh, <laughs> two to go. Um, so the last couple are... Um, this player I've spoken about plenty before. He's someone who didn't score anywhere near enough goals for us despite a blistering start to Spurs' career, including a lovely volley against Leeds. This was in Glenn Hoddle's final Ooh. few matches. Um, he became a bit of a cult villain for us halfway through his first season when he went off to the African Cup of Nations to represent a country that no one had any idea he was from until then. We all thought he was French. Uh, he then went off to Spain and scored loads and loads of goals for very many years Canute. it was Freddy Canuto <laughs> it took you a bit longer to get him this time than last time so <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take that and the last one I think this was probably up to debate whether you consider him an unsung hero or not but I like him um, the guy was 
signs in the era of us selling great players for loads of money and replacing them with bargain basement alternatives. We got him right at the end of the transfer window in 2008. Leandro Damiao. No, sorry. <laughs> well, we were linked to this guy about as much. We we're actually linked to his international teammates who sadly ended up at Arsenal far more. But when we eventually signed this guy, he only scored 10 goals across his first two seasons I think before I've getting got another it. 10 in his third. Pap? It was. Yeah. It was super, super powerful. And Arshavin was, was the teammate in question, yeah? Exactly. Yeah. So that was my 1-11 to cult hero Spurs team. Gomez, Tariko, Vega, Vasong, Okoto, Chadley, Tanya, Palacios, Malbranc, Pavlyuchenko, and Freddy Knute. <laughs> Is there anyone hard done by who should have been in that, in your opinion? I, I don't think any of them are, are particularly revered by Spurs fans on the whole. I think some of them fall into the cult hero bracket. But yeah, I think and that's fair, given the criteria. I'm just wondering how well this team would do in the Premier League. <laughs> And it's not very. It's hard to think that they'd be better than sort of just scraping into the top half of the table. I think. I think they'd get relegated. (laughs) Um, Mind you, goals keep you up, and they do have Freddie Canute. But you know what? You know what I always say makes a cult hero not actually being very good in the first Mm, place. So let's hope Emerson becomes an actual hero as opposed to a cult hero because he's on the right track right now. Brilliant. Well, he is one of a number of heroic performers at the moment and let's hope that we see a few more performances of that ilk going forward for the rest of the season we will be back next week all three of us to talk about Chelsea and hopefully we are in just as good spirits then and we'll also be previewing a couple of games we'll obviously be previewing the Sheffield United game that we've already mentioned so we hope you'll join us for that we hope that we are picking up our good spirits from this week into that one and uh, look forward very much talking about it I would try and promise that Ellie will be on better behaviour next week but I think we've all given up on that front so join us for some foul language uh, and hopefully some good insight thrown in amongst it as well but till then you stay classy Spurs fans and we'll see you next week